0: Great to be here with you. If this is your first time here today, welcome. My name is Andy, I'm the lead pastor here at High Point Church. And we are passionate about some things here. We're passionate about missions. And I want to encourage you, even if you didn't give right just then to Give the Need 2018, or maybe you didn't write it on the envelope, or maybe you did, you can still give any time this week towards the mission trip to Australia, to Cuba. Uh, and you can do so by, by clicking online, Meet the Need 2018. But before we get cruising into the message today, we have a team that's going to be in Cuba before we meet next Sunday. Uh, and that is Catherine, and that's Rusty. Guys, come upstairs, uh, on, upstairs? on stage, right quick. We're going to pray with you and for you. Uh, they're going to be joining our High Point Church uh, family uh, out of Orlando. And I don't know if there's any other churches from our Every Nation. Okay, so a couple other of, our, of our Florida churches that are sending a team. Uh, we got to go last year. Uh, I had the pleasure of, of helping lead that trip last year. And it's incredible uh, for a lot of different reasons but understand it's been a closed nation. So while the ministry is amazing, it's also jaw dropping because it looks like the entire nation has been literally frozen in time. It's like going it's like Marty McFly back to the future, you know, it, it literally looks like a nation that's been stuck in 1965, right? The cars, the dress, everything. It's amazing. And you go and you begin to share the gospel and you find a nation that is so hungry For life so hungry for Jesus and so we have all these little young churches and I believe the maximum amount is 25 people in a church and this year Catherine's letting me know we get to actually help build a church which is crazy I could just hand her the microphone (laughs) but we're gonna be praying for all the efforts that are happening there it's just prolific ministry that's taking place and imagine a church a church every 25 people think of how many ministers and pastors you'd have to have right so you can see the work that's in front of them with training and developing people who can who can do the gospel who can preach it who can live it who can share it so what we're get to do in these moments is we get to help encourage this local church we get to bring resources where resources are needed. We can. We get to share our testimonies. We get to share what Jesus has done in our life. And that if Jesus can move in our life, he can move in theirs as well. Yeah. Preach the gospel and see families changed forever. It's amazing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out a hand. Would you do that? We're going to pray uh, for Rusty and Catherine as they, uh, as they head out. Uh, they're joining our mission team. Uh, Let's see, what day? This coming Thursday. And uh, it's a, I mean, guys, it's a communist country, okay? Which makes this a a unique trip. Uh, I'm not in any way speaking danger over their trip, but it's also, you have to watch yourself a little bit differently than you do on some of the other trips we've gone on. So we're praying for protection and safety and for fruitfulness. Father, we thank you for this amazing team. We thank you for Catherine. Lord, we thank you for Rusty. Lord, we thank you for their incredible heart, Lord, to serve you, uh, Lord, to see your kingdom established. God, I pray that through the efforts of these two people, Lord, that and the team that they're partnering with, God, that we would see people changed forever. Salvation would come to Cuba. Lord, that the, that the churches there would be strengthened and encouraged, Lord, and that they'd go from strength to strength. And Lord, we pray blessing over this new facility, the new church that's going to be built and that they get to help uh, be a partner with. Lord, bless their time. Keep them safe. Lord, we commit them to you. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you. You guys are heroes. Come on. Yeah, put your hands together. All right. Guys, we're in the book of Ephesians. We're in a series that we haven't, uh, we, we don't do. If this is your first time to High Point or if this is a place you've come regularly, we don't always just preach chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 through a book of the Bible. Oftentimes we're looking at the context and we're looking at different issues that are happening and we're we're preaching the text as the situations arise in, in, in our culture. But in this moment, we're preaching literally just straight through the book of Ephesians. It's been great. It's been wonderful. It's been challenging. And let me ask you a question as we begin to open up the Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. When is the last time you didn't know how to get where you were trying to get? Think about this for a second. When was the last time you were lost? When was the last time you were maybe a little bit turned around? Man, I wouldn't say you were ever lost. Maybe you just were delayed in getting to where you were trying to get. When's the last time, think about it, you just couldn't find where you were trying to get to? Maybe it was one of those addresses out in the country. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where not all the roads are quite GPS updated. And you're, you know, you're kind of doing the slow roll looking left and right on the swivel to make sure you've got the right street. Tracking with me so far? Maybe it's a new subdivision. If you've ever moved into a new subdivision, sometimes it takes a while for the roads to get updated into the satellite. And so getting to an address, it doesn't show up on your GPS. I remember the days of old. I mean, I've got a phone now, and you don't realize how much you use your phone until your phone is busted. And on the evening of the 4th of July, I got out of my car, my Chevy Traverse. It was night. It was dark outside. And somehow, I don't even know how it happened, I got out of my car and slap. I heard that sound. If you've ever dropped your phone, you, you know what your phone sounds like when it drops. And then if you've ever busted the screen of your phone, there's a sound that your phone makes. It's a very different sound. And I heard it. was pitch black in my driveway. And I heard it. And I went, oh, no. I picked up my phone, and I could tell just by running my hand over it, it was in about a million pieces, front face of it. And so I go inside, and the next day, you know, I get up, and I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get this fixed. Here's what I'll do. I'll sit in front of my laptop. I'm going to get the address. But you forget that I can't punch the address into my phone. So I look at the address on there, and I get in the car, and I get going. And then I I forget, I don't have a phone that I can use to GPS my coordinates in. And so I'm doing the slow roll through this area of Ackworth and Kennesaw, doing this, looking for the place that I'm trying to get to. You guys tracking with me? Ever done this before, right? Where Where you're just not quite sure where you're going, so you're having to eyeball it. Now, back in the day, right, you'd be on your landline. If you even know what a landline is, young people, you've missed out, okay? You, if you were really cool, you'd have a landline with like a 40-foot cord, right? So you could just like walk around your house with it, right, with the landline, but you were still tied you still tied to the phone, right? And you would talk, and you'd be talking to your friend about where the party was or where you were going or how to get there, and they'd be giving you landmarks, you know, and they would tell you things, and you'd just handwrite it on a piece of paper. And then this amazing thing happened called MapQuest changed my life. And I'd go down on my dad's giant desktop computer, go to MapQuest, type the address in, and hit print. And then you'd, you'd take your stack of papers, you know, into the car, you know, like a notebook. You know, folding the page over, getting to where you were supposed to go. And then, you, and then GPS came out on your phone. And then voice dictation. I mean, what world are, is this generation living in that they don't even know what it was like? Wait for the McDonald's, drive 200 yards, turn right. You know, you'll see a big chicken. Once you get past the chicken, there's a roundabout. Make the round. I mean, that's just how life was, right? And so here I am, eyeballing it in Ackworth, Kennesaw, and I'm thinking to myself, here in this message, we forget the speed of technology that there is a way to get to places and there's a way not to get to places just bear with me for those of you who are going to work there's a way for you to get to work there's a way for you to get to work on time and here in atlanta there is definitely a way for you not to get to work on time there's a way for you to park There's a place where you park your car if you are at a big business, and there's a place where you scan your ID, and there's a way for you to walk in. If I've ever met you for lunch at your place of employment, many of you have given me all the different protocols of here's how you get here, here's where you park, here's where you get scanned, here's where you beep, beep, you know, in the security scan, all the things. There's a way of doing things. And we naturally understand that in the world. We get it. If I had left my house and driven south instead of driven north, I wouldn't have found the place that could fix my phone. If I had driven east, or if I had driven west, I would not have arrived where I needed to arrive to have my phone fixed. If we want to get to a particular location, there is a way for us to get there. We get that. We understand that. But now... Let's shift gears for a second, because the same principle is applied to us, and every single one of you is sitting here, and I promise you, you desire to be growing or in a different place than you are right now. And I don't mean that you're discontent. I just mean that you're, you, you're looking, and you're, you, some of you are, are thinking, man, I can't wait for my children to not be in diapers, right? I mean, you're just, you're, you can't even wait, right? You're looking forward to being here, Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, I just had this conversation with Amy. I said, you know what? I want to grow in my capacity as a father. I want to grow in my fathering. I want to be a better dad. Many of you are thinking, man, I want to be, I want to grow as a a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife. I want to grow as a leader. I want to grow as an employer, as a boss, or somebody who has the capacity to make things happen. I desire to grow and to become something different than I am right now. And if we apply the same principle that we apply literally every single other place in life, then let me just say this to you and submit it to you, that there's a way for you to grow, and there's a way for you not to. And in the world that we live in, this truth that I am sharing with you is the height of offense. Because what I am suggesting is that there is a way to grow in your relationship with God. There is a way for you to grow in the fullest expression of who he has made you to be. And there is a way not to. And people don't like that. That that sounds offensive. And so we use these terms and we use these phrases like follow your truth. Live your truth. Heard that before? Raise your hand if you've heard that before. Just live your truth. Come on. You do you. It's going to be great. But what we're inadvertently saying is that every single thing that you do, as long as you just follow your truth, you're going to arrive at this place that you're, that you're longing to arrive at. And that just simply is not true. That doesn't apply anywhere else in life. It doesn't. It doesn't even make sense. Just follow your truth. And so we begin the message today in Ephesians 5. You're running computer. I'm a little bit out of order, but that's okay. We begin by this, and we're going to turn to Ephesians 5, that God does not invite us to live our truth. He invites us to live His truth. And there is a major, major difference. You guys are ready to do this this morning? We're about to jump into the Bible. And the words of Paul in the New Testament echoed throughout the New Testament have the capacity to sting us this morning. There's a little bit of, of blunt force with it. And I'm not going to remove, right, the sting of what he has to say to us because I think it's vital for us to really mature and grow into the kind of church that God longs us to be. And to be fair and to be honest, I think you and I both long to grow and mature as well. And it would do us an injustice to play games with how to actually grow and never really grow. This, this morning, is one of the ways that we can really grow into who God has called us to be. Father, be with us. Speak to us this morning. God, as we're reading your word, as we're opening the Bible, God, speak to us. Amen. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul has been talking about all of these things in Ephesians 1, 2, 3, and 4. I can't do them justice right now, and if you're really into it, you can listen to the podcast from weeks prior. But understand, Paul has been talking about who you are in Jesus, that you're blessed, that you're chosen, that you're a son, that you're a daughter in Christ, that you've been marked and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You were dead, but now you're alive. You are far away, but now you've been brought near. And he does all of this, this huge, just amazing kind of... Imagine like the just... I feel like he should be standing on a podium delivering it in front of millions of people. Instead, he's writing it in a letter knowing that it's going to be passed around from church to church to church to church to church. And still today, it's being passed around from church to church to church. And so, in summation of Ephesians 1 through 4, Paul says, follow God's example, therefore... You're all of these things. Therefore, follow God's example as dearly loved children. I love being a dad, and one of the things that I love about being a dad is that there's something amazing about a child that you rear and that you raise, and they want to just do everything that you're doing. Now, there comes a time where they don't want to do that. I realize that. But there's this window of time where if dad walks outside and takes his shirt off, all the boys want to walk outside and take their shirt off. Not that I do that, but I'm just saying. If dad's cutting the grass, the boys want to cut the grass. If dad's laying on the floor, everybody wants to lay on the floor. If dad thinks that's funny, it's funny. <laughs> you don't even know what you're laughing at, right? There's this natural tendency for a child to want to do what mom and dad is doing. It doesn't have to be taught. There's just, it's inside of us that we want to follow mom and dad. And Paul is reminding us, hey, follow God's example. You may not actually be a child, but you need to think like a child. You need to have faith like a child. You are a child of God, so act like a child of God and do what children do. Imitate your heavenly father. And walk in the way of love. This is the way that God invites us to imitate him. Follow his example and do what? Walk like this. The way of love. There's a way to things. Amy and I, even last night, I've mentioned this the past couple weeks. We've been watching cooking shows at our house. I don't generally like cooking shows, but there's one in particular, the American British Baking Show. Okay. I don't even know the name of it, okay? I don't even know the name of it. The Great British Baking Show. Whatever. I don't even care what it's called. (laughs) It's awesome. It doesn't really make sense that it would be the American British show. It's the American Revolution British Baking Show, okay? So now, you know, Netflix it. You'll find it. <laughs> my point is this. What I love about the show is it doesn't have all the drama that, that most cooking shows have and, like, the forced music. You know, and it, there's always the disaster that oh, what's going to possibly happen? Oh, my. And it's the same recurring theme in every show. This is just people cooking. And it's super chill. And at the end of it, they literally pull this thing out of the oven, you know, and the chef comes and he tries a bite of it. And they've been watching them make this masterpiece, and it's masterful. And then they, he sits there and says, man, this was excellent, or you did this right. But this right here, you, 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 you messed up right here. You probably didn't know this. Here's the way you make this. Here's the way you prepare this. Here's the way you, you put this in the oven for this amount of time, then pull it out right here, then put this on it, then put it back in. Well, oh, okay. What I'm getting at is the same principle that I've already articulated is that there is a way to things. And that we understand that. That that if there's a recipe, there's a way to make the dish that you're trying to make. If you substitute eggs for sausage, you're not going to get the same outcome. If you substitute salt with mayonnaise, you're not going to get the same thing. It's going to be disgusting. Right? You, we, we understand that there is a way and God invites us to follow the way of love. And then he gets specific with it. And he says this. He says, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If you want to understand the way of love, and if you want to talk, we want to talk about growing and becoming the fullness of who God has asked you to be, the way of love is sacrifice. And more often than not, when, when you hear about love nowadays, it has nothing to do with sacrifice. It has everything to do with you having your needs met. And that is not love. It isn't. Following your truth oftentimes does not invite you to sacrifice anything. Following your truth just means do whatever makes you happy. But Jesus did something quite different. He lived the kind of life that was sacrificial, where he laid his life down. He gave his very life away. And this is the model that we have for following in his footsteps, the way of love. That sounds great and that's super churchy. If you've been to church before, you hear about those kinds of that verbiage all the time. Love is sacrifice. Great. And so we have this. If you're like me, I grew up going to church. And so it's really easy to know what's true and not actually live what's true. It's really easy to know all these truths about Jesus, but not actually be transformed by him. So, my hope today as we begin to, to, to move further into the text is that we would let the Holy Spirit really challenge us this morning and change us. Because this life of sacrifice is about to take a turn that, for many people nowadays in American culture, Western culture in particular, this doesn't even make sense. It's so foreign, it's offensive. It's hard to accept, but nevertheless, we're going to go there this morning because we want to grow into the fullest expression of who God has made us to be. Ephesians 5, 3 through 7, what does a life of sacrifice look like? Well, Paul begins to spell it out. This is what we sacrifice. This is what we leave behind. This is what we give up, and if we can't do that, if we won't do that, then growth is an impossibility. He says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I'm going to unpack a little bit of this, but... What I'm not going to do is spend this exorbitant amount of time working through the list of things to avoid or the no-no's, right? If you're like me, you might have grown up going to church, and church and faith, for, for many of us, it looked basically like a, a list of things to adhere to. And if you just stayed away from this, somehow you had faith and relationship with Jesus. And that is not true. The flip side, though, is also true that we cannot claim to have vibrant, life-giving, life-change, transformation, saved relationship with Jesus, but still live like we are in hell. In other words, you can't live like hell and continue to be professing that Jesus has changed you. Those two things are inconsistent with each other. That is not the way of love. That is not the way to follow in God's example with me this morning. Baron. All right. So let's unpack what these words actually mean. I'm going to move through it quickly. And I want to invite you, if, if this is hard to, to reconcile, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, hold up, wait, what? This might sound very foreign to you. I don't say this with love. I don't say this with anger. I say this with the hope that if we adhere to what God says, how, how to live our lives, that our life will really actually experience the hope life that Jesus has for us. So Jesus, or, or Paul writes, man, don't even have a hint of sexual morality. Now, this word in particular right here is in reference to premarital sex. <laughs> now, Nowadays, that's like, wait, hold on, that's just a gift, me, right? Of course, if you love somebody and like somebody, you're going to sleep together. But Paul is is raising the bar of what it looks like to live holy, And he's saying, guys, this isn't how you live. We shouldn't be living this way. If we have been changed, then live changed. It might mean that you people think that you're strange. You might stand out like a sore thumb, and I promise you, you will. But this is how we live as those who have been saved and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not even a hint of immorality or of any kind of impurity. Now we can get into all the Greek here, but the word impure here it isn't specific to premarital activity. It's just your life. It's in reference to things like pornographic material, prostitutes, things of that nature. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Paul is saying, have nothing to do with it. Don't even have a hint of this in your life. Nowadays, it's difficult to not have a hint of something. You can't even scroll through Amazon Prime or Netflix and not get assaulted by something that is immoral, right? But here, Paul is saying, don't even have a hint of this. Don't let this in your life. Live like Jesus would live. Now, Jesus wasn't condemning. You know, he wasn't the angry pastor preacher. He wasn't standing on the street corner telling people they're going to burn in hell if they don't do this. But here is how you live your life. Because the story, that Je- the story of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection should be told in every area of your life. The redemption of Jesus and how he has changed you. You are telling the story of who Jesus is and what he has done on this earth and through your life. And that's why we take great care to live a particular way because you and I are all storytellers. And I don't want to tell the wrong story. I don't want to tell the world that Jesus is, is this when he's not that. That's not who he is. This includes unfaithfulness, adultery. It even includes, and this is a hop on homosexuality. That is included in this description when you get into the theology of it, right? And I realize that's a difficult conversation. I'm not making light of that. We're talking about people that are friends, that we love, that we cherish, right? What does that look like? I want to set the banner straight because somehow in our culture we've made made these almost idols of of obedience, right? Where, Where we overlook all these other things, but this one thing becomes this odd, just almost like a sacred cow of conversation in the church. So let's just even the playing field for a moment. Shall we do that? Jesus invites us to come to know him as we are. He died for you while you were still a sinner, while you were still broken. In the height of your brokenness, whether you are heterosexual or homosexual, however you define yourself, Jesus died for you. He invites you and the doors are open to our church, which is why people of all kinds of disposition, identity, and brokenness are all welcome and will always be welcome in our church. Because Jesus invites us to come and know him and have relationship with him as we are, the difference is that Jesus doesn't invite us to stay where we are. Now, everyone's pace of coming to faith and knowing him and being changed and being sanctified is very different. And that requires tremendous grace and patience which is why we don't create a list like this and we say, do you, do you, do you? Well, if you do this, well, you're out. Or if you do this, you're going to hell. Or if you do this, well, you're good. No, that, that doesn't reveal the heart of anyone as it pertains to their relationship with Christ. Not one bit. And so we say it like this, that a Christian may struggle in any or all of these areas, but a Christian should not continue to persist in all of these areas. There should be some measure of struggle. There should be some kind of prayer. There should be a reaching out. There should be conversation, according to the Scriptures. Verse 6 says that let no one deceive you with empty words. That haunts me. Because there are a lot of empty words that have Deceived many people. And instead of living a transformed life, I mean totally transformed, we live in brokenness, and we think this is the best that Jesus has for us. And that isn't true. And I want you to know this, church. That if we don't have faith for every single person that walks through that front door and walks out that front door to be utterly, completely transformed by the power and grace of Jesus Christ, then what are we doing? And so as the, as the lead pastor here, you need to know that my faith is that I, I don't care where somebody is. I do not care. I care about where they're headed and the way of love that Jesus is inviting them to begin walking out. So, however, somebody walks in, my faith is Jesus would get a hold of them and transform their life. That's it. That's what we're after. Why does it matter? I learned all of the how, right? Without learning the why. Meaning I learned how to live my life, but I didn't understand why it was significant. Right? And I'll read this, I'll read this to you, and I'm gonna let it stand on its own. Ephesians 5, further on in the verse, and, and Jason's gonna unpack some of this next week, but says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The verse isn't in the, in the notes. It's not going to be on the screen. So understand that Jesus is like the, the bridegroom and the church is like the bride. And we take incredible care of how we live our life because we are awaiting Right? Jesus' return, much like the bride waits for her husband on the wedding day. And far be it for any bride to be happy with some giant ketchup stain on her wedding dress. No, you wouldn't be okay with that. You'd be losing your mind, right? Oh my, I, the, far be it. I got wedding pictures. You know, we've got, we've got these things. This is just the most amazing moment right here. You want it to be one that's without blemish, without stain. And we are the church, the bride of Christ, waiting for Jesus' return, the groom. And we care about the manner in which we live our life because this is our ultimate eternal marriage. This is why we care. And there are a lot of reasons. But at the end of the day, our life gets to tell the story of Jesus, what he's done for us. Him rising from the grave, victorious over sin, giving that victory by the Spirit to the church. This is the story that we tell the world. Far be it to blemish it, to stain it, or to somehow look like everybody else. Imagine going to your wedding, and your spouse, you can't even find them in the crowd, right? Where are they? You'd, it'd be insulting. Man, I've prepared so much, and you can't pick me out, right? That'd be disappointing. That's not how we live. Church is Holy. Which means set apart. Ephesians 5 8 through 14 says this that once you were in darkness, but now you are, excuse me, now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul is writing this church to, to the churches because many who had fallen in love and been changed by Jesus were beginning to fall asleep. They're drifting back into the lifestyle. All of a sudden, the guards that they had, oh, they were so excited. They were so in love with Jesus. They would do anything for Jesus. But all of a sudden, they got used to that. And they just got, oh, you know what? This is cool. It's fine. I'm tired of trying. We'll just, we'll be fine. It's okay. Don't make it a big deal. Paul is saying, wake up. You've fallen asleep. Don't let these deceptive words draw you away. They're empty, and they do not give life. So true love is sacrifice, but it's also obedience. Which is why the Scripture, Jesus says it, that if you love me, you will obey my commands. So where do we start, guys? I'm going to land the plane. I'll just read the verses. I'm going to read this and just I'm going to let it stand on its own and let it speak for itself. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, don't let this message feel like this is a doom and gloom proclamation over our culture, but understand that it's Jesus that we follow, not the culture. It's Jesus who we worship, not the world. And so when when, when Paul is writing, hey, live this way, be careful, the same word would be used It's the same kind of terminology you would use if you were trying to walk through thorns be careful how you live if you've ever done yard work with thorns recently how do you how do you do you do that very carefully if you've ever been running remember being a kid you're running through the trees or you're running through the woods and you run into some thorns you immediately you know you freeze and you begin to slowly you know kind of you begin to remove them because You don't want to move forward because it's going to tear. It's going to cause bleeding, and it's going to hurt. And so you you proceed with great caution. You don't proceed in fear. You'll proceed with care. It's very different. I'm careful where my foot goes. I'm looking, right, to make sure I'm not walking into something that's going to be a snare to myself, to me, to my family, to my soul. Do not be foolish, verse 17, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. You want to live carefully, but then you need to understand what God's will is for your life. And I have great news for you. While I can't sit here and talk about, you know, the localized purpose that God would have for you on this earth or in this city or in this community, I do know this, that God's will for you is to have life-changing, rich, vibrant, deep relationship with Him. That those of you that are alone would feel accepted and valued and whole. That is his will for you, to be a full-blown son and daughter in his kingdom. I love what was written for children. This was a while ago. It started in Scotland, a catechism that they would repeat to answer questions and be helpful information for them as they're learning about God. And one of the the questions was, what is the chief end of man? And the answer was, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Hallelujah is right. This is God's will for you, that you would enjoy Him. You know what it's like when you 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 live a, when you do something you know you shouldn't have done. And all of a sudden you you know you don't want to pray because you feel shame. You don't want to go to church because man, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to be around other Christians because XYZ. And so God's will for you is to have unbroken, untethered relationship with him that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. That you'd be walking in the confidence of a son. And when we walk in sin, our confidence is robbed. Have nothing to do with deeds of darkness. and Expose them. Have nothing to do with it. That means you've got a show that you watch. That's putting thoughts in your mind. The vast majority of Netflix and Amazon shows now are mature because of gross sexual activity, right? Sex scenes. Now, we're going to talk about this. I'm getting specific here, but understand, whatever it is, if it's a show, have nothing to do with it. Be brave and courageous and put that thing down. Sacrifice it relationship whatever it might be I love that the word says expose I was trying to watch a show a couple nights ago you know I texted a friend here in the church and I was like bro watching this show and they're like dude watch out for episode two in fact don't even watch it because it's just got some unhealthy garbage in it and I love that Because part of what we get to do now is we get to throw some shout-outs to people coming behind us or coming in front of us. Hey, by the way, I'm exposing that. I'm shining a light on that. That which is in darkness, I'm bringing into the light. You don't want that. You don't want to live like that. You don't want to taste that. Don't put that in your life. I promise you, you don't want it. Expose it. Not in a hateful, judgmental, finger-pointing way, but out of love for a brother, love for a sister. And then lastly, church, my favorite. Paul says, man, be filled with the Holy Spirit and in everything, give thanks. See, immorality and greed and impurity are all about you not being satisfied and not getting what you want. And therefore you have to have more, 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 more. And that's why Paul relates it to idolatry. But there's an amazing thing that happens. I really do feel that the root of all Christian growth begins with thanksgiving. Paul says, man, in everything give thanks, be filled with the spirit. And what does it look like? It looks like you're thankful. Stop griping about everything and be thankful. Stop feeling like you got to have more and more and more to finally be here. Be thankful. Be thankful. Give Him praise. That person that's driving you crazy, be thankful for them. Right? You're looking at a show. You're, You're wanting to step out on your spouse. You know what you actually need to do? You need to have a moment and be thankful for your spouse. Let the words come out of your mouth that you're thankful for your husband, thankful for your wife. Oh, you're, you're frustrated in your singleness. I get it, but find a way to be thankful with where God has placed you. And it's amazing what will happen, the vibrancy and the filling of the Holy Spirit, and you will have strength to live above. All this nonsense, instead of this perpetual need for more, more and more that's not the life that god's invited you to that is not the way of love a life of sacrifice and a life of obedience that is true love father thank you this morning we love you and worship you god there are places where we all need to turn and repent there are areas where we need to give to you there are areas we need to have Uh, boldness and courage. God, I pray right now by the Spirit of God that you would give it to us. God, move in the lives and hearts of this church right here, right now. We love you.